What's going on, good people? Welcome to Live by the Three, a Raptors podcast with your boy Curly. Give me a follow on Instagram page at Live by the Period Number Three, and on Twitter. I will continue to call it Twitter till it no longer exists. I refuse to acknowledge it as X. So you could follow me on Twitter at Live by the Zero Three. I do apologize for the delay. You know, it is the summertime. The off-season content is not really flowing as much as we would like it to, but. We did get some news and we have found a creative way to discuss it. And I could not find uh, a better person, a creative mind, the Obi-Wan to my Luke Skywalker, the man they call Mac from the Running Off the Screen podcast to join me today. Brother, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, Had a long day. Celebrated our 10-year marriage anniversary, me and my wife. So that would be good. Good thing I added me and my wife at the (laughs) And- yeah, yeah, before they think like, we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary to get the wrong vibe. <laughs> but yeah, everything I, 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 I got love for you, bro, but the love, the love is different. Hey, I, I think we've known each other for longer than 10 years, it feels like. but yeah. that, that is true. That is true. But hey, congratulations to you and wifey, man. That, that is quite a milestone. And, you know, the Raptors are looking to build off a milestone that they did off of 2019 and win a championship. Once again, you know, our very passionate leader, Masai Ujiri, wants to win in Toronto. He wasn't able to, they weren't able to accomplish that. They had to win on the road and he wants to win one in Toronto. But it seems that it's going to be a lot more challenging. And and it has been challenging since the 2019 run. The team has taken multiple step backs and have overachieved when they should have been rebuilding. However way that you want to look at it, it has not been a very easy ride to our our present position it's been we've hit a lot of speed bumps to say the least and i think the biggest speed bump in the road right now is the future of our best player our franchise pascal siakam no extension in sight uh, linked to multiple teams constantly in rumors not at summer league optically it does not look good but we did get some news reinforcing what has already been out there that the Atlanta Hawks did offer a, a trade package consisting of DeAndre Hunter, A.J. Griffin, and draft compensation, whatever the heck that means, for Pascal Siakam. This is an all-NBA player. That is a weak package. I think Pascal has hurt his trade value. I, I, not I think. I know he's hurt his trade value with him essentially saying that he's not going to sign an extension with any team. So, Mac. I, I don't even know where to begin, brother. Like, what's your take from this this whole situation? It just seems like it's just getting from bad to worse. Yeah, the Raptors are in a tough situation with Pascal because, like you said, he he mentioned to teams that, hey, if you trade for me, I'm not going to sign an extension. Um, now, obviously, they can call his bluff and be like, listen, we're going to put you in the best situation for your career. If you choose to hit the free agent market, good for you but there's not many like when you look at the teams that have cap space next year there's no one who can like outright sign him uh to a deal that puts him in the 60s that Jalen brown deal like it, what the spurs the magic those are the teams that will have the cap space to do it like or have the easiest path to sign a guy like pascal so i don't think those are ideal situations for him if a playoff team is trading for him so he's probably going to re-sign with them or re-sign with the raptors whoever trades for him so that's out the way. But the issue is the asset management, right? Because why are we in this situation again where we have Pascal who's coming on to a, a, a contract year, Gary's on a contract year, OG's on a contract year. It's just 
over and over we've been put in positions where we've been handcuffing ourselves to the the mercy of each of our free agents. Now we lost Fred Van Vliet for nothing. We traded the pick for that. <laughs> we traded the pick for Pirtle, and we're just in a situation where we're gonna have to trade Pascal. It seems like we're gonna have to trade him because I don't know if he's willing to sign that deal uh, without trying to get prove himself and get a super max next year. I think part of a bigger issue is the whole two timeline thing. They wanted to win and they wanted to develop. I don't think that did anyone any favors. And, and especially when you got two veterans that have been to the mountaintop and, and a Fred Van Vliet formerly and Pascal Siakam that essentially elevated their games to assist us in winning that 2019 championship. And obviously we have Kawhi and we have Kyle there. There's a lot more components, but those are the four main guys that were actively contributing to to our success. And obviously, Sergi Baca and Marcus Gasol. But again, those are the main guys. And it just seems that they were just kind of winging it after the championship run and just like really hoping something would stick. They were hoping that OG was going to turn into baby Kawhi. That has not happened. They were hoping that Freddie can assume the mantle of, of a Kyle Lowry and be that engine for this team. And and he did it to a point, but I I think that they're two different players. So expecting Fred to do the things that Kyle did was was an unfair ask. And then obviously the most important one, expecting Pascal Siakam to be that number one guy, take the reins from a Hall of Famer without question in Kawhi Leonard. And when none of those things happened, they were left scrambling. You know, missed on free agents, missed on the mid-level extensions, missed on draft picks, giving <laughs> away draft picks. Like I said, like it's it's Halloween candy. Like a, <laughs> you, you said it best, the asset management has been porous. And now we're at the point where we have to consider trading our best player. And, and, and we live in a time where it's normally the best players asking for a trade. It's mm-hmm. not teams willingly wanting to trade their best player and it just seems like it's it's a reactionary move to unfortunately a lot of failures from this front office what do you think oh, so my question to you is if you're Masai and pascal comes to you and says i want to sign the extension but i want a no trades clause what, what, what do you do see i don't see that as as being an option personally because a, a no trade clause is it's handcuffing the team even further. Yeah. But I, I look at the previous moves outside of the DeMar situation. You you did right by Kyle. You could have traded Kyle when, you know, there were better better packages out there and you had to settle because you wanted Kyle to get paid. You didn't do that with Fred. You obviously didn't do that with DeMar, but we can all agree that you would do that DeMar trade more nine times out of ten at minimum in order to get a a player of Kawhi Leonard's caliber. But I think the Raptors have put themselves in a corner where if that is a deal breaker, I I, I don't see it. Like I don't see how they can refuse not taking care of Pascal in that capacity because they haven't built a successful team around him. They haven't built a team that can highlight his talents and his skill set. And, He's been our best player over the last two years, grinding and doing everything he humanly can, being a center, being that point forward, being a scorer, being a facilitator. He's literally doing it all. So while I I don't like the idea of giving him a no trade clause, but if he's signing that extension for half the money and that's the selling point, 
I might be more inclined to do it than not. What do you think? See, that's the thing. Like, if you give him the no trade, it kind of ties you, like you said. But if he doesn't want that, like, he's not going to sign a deal because that's going to make him his value go up and you it's easy for you to trade him. So he's he's probably trying to leverage that to say, like, hey, if you want to get me, if you want to keep me long term, prove it. Right. But that puts me in the space like, OK, well, you're going to give him 60 plus mil or whatever amount it's going to be. Probably not 60 because I think it's four years, 194, whatever that. Lines yeah, up one to. like 192, 190. I think it's 196, four years. So I mean, it's four years, 196, instead of giving him a five year. Uh, three hundred million dollar deal or a four year two hundred and fifty million dollar deal. I might be more inclined to do that. Oh, Personally, I mean, it's not a great but, situation to be in. But yeah, because then you, because then you got to resign. Well, you don't got to, but it you would make sense to resign like a OG. You have to give Scotty ex, an extension eventually. Uh, what are you gonna do with the depth on your bench? Are you gonna bring back Precious? You know what I mean? Like this, and you got to build a team around whatever you have. So the the cap needs to be there. So, I mean, if you're going to trade Pascal, this is the t- this is the time. This is the time. Like you can't wait. You can't lose him like you let lost Fred. He's an unrestricted free agent. Yes, you have his bird rights, but he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Get something in return. If you're in a situation where you have a new coach, new staff, you have young players that you want to see develop, this might be the best time. Now. Don't just fold and take Atlanta's deal. And and that's the other thing that's the issue here is that Atlanta seems like it's the only team that's willing to negotiate with Raptors right now and with and with good reason. Cause like who else can give you enough that you it makes sense to trade Pascal at this point? And, and that's a very fair assessment. But I have this question for you. Do you feel that Masai I guess confidence at at the trade deadline or overconfidence, however way you want to describe it. I I look at it as a form of arrogance, to be honest. He said that the trade the trade offers that they got at the deadline would have been available in the off season. I'm really thinking that teams are like kind of sticking their noses at him, in a sense that you know you tend to fleece people you tend to <laughs> get these fantastic deals and here you are declaring that they're not good enough to trade at the at the trade deadline so th- they'll be good enough when i'm ready he, type of thing he he jinxed himself he shouldn't have said that <laughs> yeah that's what i think <laughs> he, too that came off a little too arrogant and teams are like no we're not going to trade with you we yeah. don't need to right and, and now he's in a bad spot it, ah man the, the management i don't know what to do with this team you know, in a perfect world, um, Atlanta folds. They can flip DeAndre Hunter to another team and get us a couple more picks, hopefully. And we can get Buffkin like we always wanted. And, and A.J. Griffin, who I think it could be a, a very key c- contributor for a team for like 10 years plus. And, and just rebuild around a, around a team that has Scotty and OG. Now, I don't, I don't have a lot. Me and you know how we feel about OG. Uh, and that, and Pascal, like full disc- like before I go any further, I understand Pascal is an All NBA player. Like, there's no question he's one of the best forwards in the NBA. Like, let's st- let's stop the argument. Who cares how pretty his game is? He's effective, he's productive, and he's he's been able to be available more often than not. If it wasn't for freak injuries here and there, um, but yeah, the the Raptors' confidence in like an OG may have tied us up low key because we could have traded him last year where teams 
had more value for him. Like you said, besides like, oh, this, the same trades are still available in the offseason, which they're not really. Because at the end of the day, if you traded him at the uh, trade deadline last year, that, that team is getting him for at least two playoff series when you, or playoff runs instead yep. of now one. Good so point. that value jumps drops significantly because they're like, okay, if we lose out, he's going to be out, and then we lose our assets and we lose him. So, again, it's another miscalculation. Like, Masai takes calculated risks, and it just – this one just didn't work out. And that's the thing with risks. Sometimes they work, sometimes they, know they don't, but the Raptors are in a situation where it seems like every other move they make doesn't work. Do you feel like – like, while I do agree they are calculated risks, but do you feel like he, they take more risks than necessary than the next team? It just – it feels like they're always gambling like yeah. with, with certain draft picks – you know, certain free agents and, you know, the, again, they they display a certain level of arrogance. They probably thought that they could have re-signed Fred. While I, we can agree that re-signing Fred at that price tag would not be in the Raptors' best interest. But you also could not afford to lose him because, one, you didn't have a backup point guard. And two, you had no you had no plan B. Like like to me, it look it, it reminds me of the Giannis situation. They went all in trying to get Giannis and then Giannis resigned, and then you know not to, not to say that Dennis uh, Schroeder is an Aaron Baines type of move, but it has that kind of vibe. You know what I mean? And it, it just seems really unnecessary at that at this point because you have tremendous talent and you've had tremendous talent and then you allow that talent to walk away and then now you are upsetting this talent because they want expanded roles they want to be taken care of and they they want more opportunities however way everybody wants something and it just seems that they're at least from last season they're more of a group of individuals than there are a team and maybe as we've seen in open gym, and we'll touch on that later, that the vibes are certainly getting better. And Coach Darko is definitely bringing an energy and the coaching staff that they've assembled. But is that enough? Is that enough? Like, I think I think there's a lot of pressure on this coaching t- staff to be successful this season. What What do you think about that? Oh, pressure on this coaching staff? Yeah. I don't... There is pressure, but then there is not. Because... They hired Darko because he's the perfect coach for development, but he's also experienced enough that if the team is winning or if the team if he has a good roster, he can win with that team. So I think he's in a situation where this season is a transition point for this roster, whether we're going to go all in and, and try and make a big trade down the road in the season or break everything up. Either way, it, 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 like it's, it has the same weight to me. This season is a is definitely just a, a wait and see type of season where if Scotty ends up panning out developing, we're gonna be we're gonna be adding to this team and and adding more vets, adding more uh, productive players. If Scotty flops, then <laughs> I think we're gonna tear things down and then try and rebuild fully. So I don't know if it's more or less on the coaches or it's it's up to the players to dictate what type of season we're going to be having because no matter who the coach is, this is not a roster at currently constructed. It's not a roster that you think is going to go far in the playoffs. So you got to figure out what these players are and then go from there. And I think that's very fair. I think they go hand in hand, but I think that, and, and you've mentioned this on previous pods. I've mentioned this on previous pods. I think the wait and see 
has cost us. I think yeah. waiting waiting for OG to be the second coming of Kawhi. We, we know how we both feel about that. Like, I mean, OG's a tremendous talent, but he's not Kawhi. Um, I think expecting Scotty Barnes, you know, remember, you, we, we talked about it. I was very weary about putting all the pressure on Scotty in year two. And I think we both felt that he could have lived up to the expectations, but I wouldn't say he took a step back, but I think he just kind of plateaued because numbers were similar. It's just, I would say the only thing he, he lacked was the same impact and, you know, health and inconsistencies with the lineup. Take your pick. This front office has created this situation and they're going to have to get creative on as to how to get out of this situation. But going back to Pascal, like we, we both know that that Atlanta Hawks deal was not the best one. You know, we, we live in a time of rumors and hypotheticals, and I found three hypothetical trades that did not involve the Atlanta Hawks. And I want to get oh, your okay. reaction. I, let me write these down. <laughs> <laughs> and folks, let me tell you, they are not very impressive. But come along for a ride and we, we will break it all down. So trade number one. Our trading partner is the Golden State Warriors. Oh, okay. We are trading Pascal Siakam. We get CP3, Jonathan Kaminga, Brandon Przemski, and a 2028 first-round pick, top seven protected. Hmm. 2028. 2028. And CP3. I don't. <laughs> come on. I don't. <laughs> gonna, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna have all all jerseys, all 30 jerseys or 32 jerseys, whatever the heck it is right now. By by the end of his career, like the way he gets getting flipped, and I don't think I've ever seen anybody flip. Like he's he's probably gonna break the Patty Mills record for being flipped without even touching the floor. <laughs> the Luke Rittenauer, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that too. I forgot about him. <laughs> Yo, you know, you know, we dated ourselves with that reference, Luke Rittenauer. Yeah. Probably like half the people don't even know who that is. <laughs> I mean, I I wouldn't do that just because of the picks. Um, I love Kaminga. You already know. Uh, Pozimski, I love too. That's a great player in CP3. That's, Unless you could flip him, that makes. If you could flip CP3 and get a couple of draft picks, I, I'm listening. I'm listening. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, I still like the Hawks one better than that one, to be honest. Yeah, I, I tend to agree that way. Especially if you can get Kobe Buffkin, right? Like that's. I don't see why you wouldn't do that deal at that point. But I don't entirely hate this deal. I do like Jonathan Kaminga as well, Brandon, Brandon Przemski. Like we we've lacked shooting for quite some time, so. Potentially having uh, Pazimski and Grady Dick coming off the bench, like those are those are some knockdown shooters in a very offensive-minded league. And I mean, I probably want to get at least another first-round pick or at least a couple second-round picks before I even consider this. But if you can potentially get another pick and flip CP3 for maybe a role player and some draft picks, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm listening. I'm right, listening. Right? Is that, yeah, that's, I'm... Is that too bad? But so again, not a lot of people know about Brandon Pazimski as yet. Yeah. So so once he gets some games under him, I think people will be a little bit more uh, receptive to that type of deal because I, I watched him in college and he's he's a hooper, like ho- hooper's hooper. Right. So I, that's why I'm a little bit more inclined to say, hey, let's give it a shot. Okay. Give me give give me a a rating out of five. Obviously, one being the lowest and five being the highest. Like, what would you rate this deal out of five? I was gonna say grade, but whatever grade. Out of five, whatever is more comfortable for you. It's it's a three. It's a three. Now I understand CP three is uh the cap filler. 
that 30 mil helps. Um, but with the timeline of this team now, funny enough, he would be good with this type of team. Like if you wanted to keep him, have that same um, effect like he did on OKC. Yeah, like he right. would be good with a team like this, a young team that's trying to find themselves. And he's he's a good yeah man. But I don't think he's he's gonna be committed to this type of roster. No, because at this point in his career. But um, if he was like maybe five years younger, he would probably that would be a, a not like a home run deal. Yeah, maybe we should have got him during that OKC time. Maybe that would have been the perfect time. Oh to, my gosh, I've gotten him back. That <laughs> that that to me it was a crazy season. I know it was COVID and all that, but that that was a crazy season. Yeah, I'm with you. Like I'm not I'm I'm listening, but I'm probably not doing this deal. I would also rate it a three out of five. So the second deal, I was gonna say this for last, but I think this deserves a lot of a lot of airtime. <laughs> very messy deal folks it's a 14 oh, it's a four team deal involving oh, man, the raptors <laughs> hawks mavericks and hornets i don't know who Jesus. created this but it is it is one for the books okay raptors get deandre hunter tim hardaway jr maxi kleber james book knight vit kretschy the 2029 first round pick from atlanta the 20 uh, sorry the 2030 first round pick which is a pick swap from Atlanta. The Hawks get Pascal Siakam, Gordon Hayward, and a 2027 first-round pick from Dallas. The Mavericks get Clint Capella, Thaddeus Young, Kelly Oubre via sign-and-trade. The Hornets get Bogdan Bogdanovich, Otto Porter Jr., Christian Wood via sign-and-trade. I, I don't even know where to begin with this. Wait, 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 wait. So what did the Raptors end up in, in that mess? DeAndre <laughs> <laughs> Tim Hardaway Jr., Maxi Kleber, yeah. James Book Knight, which is... You know, you're just hoping something sticks with him. Uh, Vit, Kretschy, the 2029 first-round pick from Atlanta and a 2020, uh, 2030 first-round pick swap from Atlanta. That, that's a hard no. Like, <laughs> and, Pascal, and Pascal ends up on Atlanta anyways. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't get where the Raptors would say yes. Like, doesn't address anything. It just and we would have to get rid of players if we're just giving up Pascal in this deal. We have a full roster. Yeah. Where's where the rest of the bodies going? Yeah. All, all to the nine hundred five, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all other contracts yeah. get converted. Yeah, that's man. That's a that's a zero out of five. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I just thought it was funny. You yeah, know, yeah. Just for talking, like, I mean, Pascal gets to Atlanta anyway, so you can eliminate that. The other two teams, if you want to get Pascal to Atlanta, like you're not maximizing your assets by getting Tim Hardaway Jr., Maxi Kleber, and James Booknight. Like you're better off with keeping it simple. AJ Griffin, even if you want to throw, uh, even want to do uh, DeAndre Hunter at that point, uh, Kobe Bufkin and some draft picks. That that is far more appealing than this. Yeah, I, I give this a zero out of five as well. Honestly, I'm I'm gonna be honest. I'm sorry with with the Atlanta stuff. You you sparked a thought. Would you listen to DeAndre Hunter, Bogdanovich, AJ Griffin, and two first round picks and like all their second round picks? Would you listen to that? Absolutely. Um, I think I think a secondary move would definitely have to follow, like because we're gonna have that logjam uh, once again, unless you're just running all those guys off the bench, or or maybe you move Scotty. Scotty to the four, OG at the three, which is his natural position, anyways. And what you start, AJ Griffin at the two. I mean, you could start Gary 
at the two. Stargate, yeah. And then you have whoever you want to appoint, Scotty or Schroeder. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich off the bench will be nice. AJ Griffin off the bench will be nice. Grady Dick off the bench is going to be nice. DeAndre Hunter off the bench. That's that's a different type of that's we're talking there, right? When you and all you had to do was add in Bogdanovich. And to be honest, I think the I think the cap space uh, adds up when you when you look at that type of deal. Yeah, I think Bogdanovich is around seventeen to eighteen, eighteen, somewhere, somewhere yeah. around there, right? Same so with DeAndre be, Hunter. He's around that range, or or actually no, I think his deal increases, right? DeAndre is it's twenty a year. Okay, as if I can recall, which which and, is fair, which is fair value for a player of his caliber. I mean, yeah, yeah. So that, I mean, I would listen to that. But Donovich can hoop, man. I'm, hey, I'm a Bogdanovich fan. <laughs> this is live by the three, man. Like I'll take any shooters <laughs> at this at this point. But yeah, no, like I think Bogdanovich would be a huge boost. I think I thought before he got to Atlanta, I thought the Raptors would have been interested in him then, right? I thought yeah, that would have yeah. been a solid. Solid player to get, but they weren't thinking offensive minded, man. It's like let's get these athletes with no jump shots, right? So hopefully Grady Dick is propelling them in a different direction. I but, wonder why that I wonder why that deal's not being done then. Like, why wouldn't Atlanta want to do that? I mean, maybe Raptors don't want Bogdanovich, but like why wouldn't Atlanta want to do it? Because at the same time, too, for Toronto, sorry, is that DeAndre Hunter has four years, I think he has four years left. Bogdanovich has four years left on his deal. AJ Griffin has three years left on his deal. So you don't have to worry about this little free agent mess you you keep putting yourself in every year. So that right. kind of helps you out there. I don't know. And it's fair value because with all these contracts we're seeing coming out, mm-hmm. it seems like something you would want to get. Um, consolidate Pascal for three rotation pieces yeah. and some draft picks. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to that idea. But I think we all know who's really holding up this deal. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's Atlanta. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, but the last deal, and, and this one is a little bit, it's equally as interesting, but also confusing at the same time. I, I, I don't see how this would work, but I am intrigued with some of the prospects that we would be getting in this deal. So they're trading with the Pelicans. And no, we're not getting Zion. So I'm just going to put that oh, out of the way. Yeah, oh, I know. <laughs> Sorry. But we got Jonas Valanciunas, Larry Nance Jr., Dyson Daniels, Kira Lewis, the 2024 first-round pick, which is the L.A. pick from New Orleans, uh, 2025 first-round pick via Milwaukee, and a 2026 first-round pick, which is the New Orleans Pelicans for Pascal Siakam. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. Now I want Trey Murphy Jr. or Trey Murphy the third. You're but not getting that, Trey Murphy. Yeah. That, that, that ship has sailed. That yeah. Ship, we could have got, got him. Too like good. He, he got too good quick. <laughs> and that, see, that's the problem. We need to do what, uh, oh, on our, that, that deal is a, a four and a half out of five for sure. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah definitely, there. definitely. But, but um, yeah, what I was saying is that's what the Raptors are trying to do probably. They're trying to find that. Remember when – um. OKC, OKC traded uh, Paul George for Shea, basically. Mm-hmm. But they, they gave him everything else and Shea. So they're trying to find their Shea. They're trying to find that guy who's not a star yet. But give him the right opportunity, he's going to he's gonna turn into an a all-NBA player. And I think Trey Murphy has that, has that potential in him to eventually become like a top, one of the top players in the league. Maybe not 
maybe not a top 15, but he's going to probably get an all-star nod down the road. I, I think he has all-star potential. Uh, and, and he's showing that he's more than a shooter, right? Um, <laughs> an above-the-rim finisher. Yeah, know, out like, of nowhere. Out of nowhere, you know. Um, and it's one of those things where, you know, injuries create those opportunities and he just maximized it. And And I really thought that, that one, that the Raptors should have, done a greater job trying to get him in the draft. But when he wasn't getting that playing time coming off the bench and he was not even in the rotation, like that would have been the perfect opportunity to poach him. But again, the motivations of this front office, we don't necessarily know what they're thinking. They didn't, they don't like offensive hoopers they, they or they don't like hoopers in general. Who Who's that guy though? Who's that guy out there? I know I'm just throwing this like curveballs, like, <laughs> but who's that guy right now who, if the Raptors trade for him, you could turn him into a star. I know there's a guy out there in Brooklyn who put 40 burgers on people. Cam Thomas. I think that's a guy who, if you can get him a consistent role, some good minutes, some defenders around him, tell him to get, give him the keys a little bit. What, what do you think about Cam Thomas? I, I, there's more names. I, I, I'll, I'll wait for you to think of yeah, some. But yeah. yeah, yeah. No, Well, I, I mean, you know, you're just taking over the show and, and putting me on the oh, spot. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just, I, I'm joking. Um, no, I, I like, I like Cam Thomas. Uh, I mean, you, you need Hoopers in this league and I'm all for an offensive minded player and he, he's a bucket getter. Right. And I think the, the struggle for him is like, undersized guards don't really last long. They have a very small window in the league, but I think now, you know, they, they might be able to have a longer shelf life, you know, and, and not kind of fade away. Like uh, the Juan Dixons of the world or, or even um, our guy, Monte Ellis, you know, even though I thought that he got blackballed from the league for yeah at, at a very weird time, like he, he should have been in the league a lot longer than than he was but mm-hmm. um i think he would absolutely kill it today if he if he was prime monte ellis i thought i think that he would kill it yeah i like cam thomas and i did have a name i don't think he'll probably be an all-star but i i do feel that with the right opportunity he would really excel and i talked and s and i talked about him in a in a previous pod con sexton I think could potentially be that guy. What do you think? I like Colin Sexton. I like his game. I like how his mentality towards the game. I think he, yeah, he needs a he needs a chance. When he had a chance, he was putting up some decent numbers. May yeah. may not have been the most efficient, but he, he he had promise. I like I like his game. I'm trying to think like who else? Like I know he's a forward, but I like I love Patrick Williams. I think he needs to get out of that jail in um, Chicago. Mm-hmm. I think he needs a team that's up upcoming that that needs a forward who can score and play defense. I think he has some untapped potential there. But Cam Thomas, I don't. I, I mean, if he was on our team, man, I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I I like the idea of Cam Thomas. Um, I think for me, I mean, because Shea is obviously off the table. Maybe Giannis oh. makes an appearance again. You know, with with Milwaukee getting older, and he potentially might be thinking elsewhere, but. I think if you're going to go all in on anybody, and it's probably a very unrealistic get, Tyrese Maxey. Oh, Maxey Priest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maxey would be nice. 
Yeah. Is he is he up for extension or something? Like I think I, I'm I not think really sure up, what I think contract. he's up for an extension, but they're not going to extend. They they put that on hold, and he seems seems content about it. But man, I would you know throw everything in the kitchen sink as they say at him if if the opportunity presented itself. But if we get a guy like that for the future. Oh, you know how hilarious that would be for Nick Nurse to go to Philly and then Maxi like, leaves and goes to Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I mean James Harden's already one foot out the door, anyways, right? That's a that's going to be a disaster. I know we're going off the rails a little, but that yeah, that yeah. Philly situation could be me- messy quick. It's with Joel Embiid. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how that how that's going to uh, play out, but. Not our problem. We we got our own problems north of the border. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so just just to clarify on that last deal, the Jonas, Larry Nash Jr., Dyson Daniels, Kira Lewis, and twenty twenty four first round pick, twenty twenty five first round pick, twenty twenty six first round pick. I think just on the draft picks alone, and the addition of of uh, Dyson Daniels and Kira Lewis is worth it alone. Like Jonas oh, is yeah. Jonas is on the last year of his deal. I think the same thing with Larry Nance Jr you could probably package them and leverage them into another situation, or maybe you even hold on to uh, Jonas. Uh, who knows? But yeah, I'm with you. I think that's four and a half out of five. You know, the one thing that all these deals have in common, they are out there. <laughs> <laughs> Especially that four-team deal. Like, that was absolutely a disaster. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who the mastermind is behind that. <laughs> And I've mentioned this multiple times, and you you mentioned the idea at the beginning. If there's a time that you're going to pivot off Pascal, I think now is the time. And I don't think that the Raptors can afford going into free agency. I think it's a huge, huge risk. And I don't think that's gonna that's a calculated risk. I don't think that's a risk that they're willing. To, they they should be willing to take, especially with the the way things have been looking on the outside. But in your opinion. If you're gonna pivot, this is the time to pivot, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's sad to say, but the problem is like we waited a little bit too long for his contract to be less, like we said earlier, it's it's less uh, valuable. You know, people are not real willing to give you everything because they don't know what they're gonna get out of him. Just like what we did, we gambled to get Kawhi, but at the end of the day, we didn't really give that much. You know, like we gave up De- Demar, which is a great player, Jakob, rising center, and, and a first-round pick that was a late pick. That's not happening <laughs> anymore. That type of deal is not going to happen for a star yeah. anymore, disgruntled or not. So we're in a situation where we just got to have every deal that we have, every offer that we have on the board right now and just pick the best one, and that's it. Yeah. Because yeah. waiting, waiting, waiting any longer is not the best idea. What do you think? No, I'm with you, man. I, I think... Their wait-and-see approach has cost us multiple times, and I'm not willing to entertain that um, any longer. Um, make a decision. They've kicked the can down the road. Make a decision. You've delayed making tough decisions. Now it's time to make those tough decisions. Now it's time to, you know, prove your worth. Show us why. Show us why you're you're you were once regarded as one of the great front offices in this league. And I think this is the perfect opportunity to do so. And how they how they handle this situation can make or break their tenure here. And I think at this yeah. point, if they if they somehow mess this up, I <laughs> think you're going to have to start looking at a change. Like, they're going to have to be in the hot seat. 
like without question. Yeah, it's it's this is the year. This is the year because a lot is on the table. We already lost Fred. Well, we lost him, but we didn't because we didn't have to pay him. Yeah. But still, we didn't get no assets out of it. I did say that this was going to be the most important offseason in in recent history. Remember, I did say that. Yeah, you did. And it's it's correct. And the one thing I'll say about this team, though, to put a little bit more of a positive light, I think we're going to be more fun to watch this season. I think we have some guys that like being together. And, um, I think that we have a lot of young uh, young players. We have players that have high energy that's coming in, veteran leadership. I mean, it, it, it lines up to have a fun season. Now, we might not win most games, but we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to have fun together. We're going to have some highlights, and we're going to try and grow and build on something. So, I, Absolutely. I think we still have a lot of upside. We still have a lot of tremendous talent, and that talent wanted more opportunities, and now the opportunities are going to be available to them. So let's Hope and pray that they do capitalize on it. And one player that I hope capitalizes on the opportunity, and it seems he seems to be getting forgotten. Like we we are entering an important year for Scotty. It seems like the last few years have been important years for OG. Contract year for Precious Achua. But one guy that always gets missed is Gary Trent Jr. And I think he kind of gets lost because he wasn't, you know, one of the the Raptors guys, quote unquote, like we didn't draft him. We got him via trade and it, it seemed like a stopgap move, but he proved his value. And and despite what people may think, he is a valuable piece to this team. And we needed him a couple of years ago when we we're going on that playoff run. He was very, he picked up the pieces when Freddie went down, Pascal went down, he stepped up and put on a tremendous performance. And I think Gary is one of the important pieces of this team that's not getting acknowledged enough. And you did a you did a phenomenal pod, folks. If you have not had an opportunity to listen to Max running off the screen podcast, where he's he's basically making an ode to to Gary Trent Jr. and how he can evolve his game and how he can become a major contributor to this team. He put out a phenomenal pod. Check it out. But I, I'm a believer in Gary Trent Jr. I'm a fan. He's also a uh, a Duke. Uh, alumni and I'm a Duke supporter. I know that's not a popular opinion, but um, <laughs> but well, Gary, you're a shooter. They like their shooters, so it makes sense. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> this is live by the three, man. So I, like I said, I, I support all shooters. I think you made some brilliant points, and I, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let you take the rein on this. But I think in order for Gary to get that payday that he's looking for, he's going to have to do a little bit more than he has in in years past, and potentially tap into a more efficient type of player than just a hooper. So Mac, why don't why don't you give your spin on on why Gary Trent Jr. is is entering a very important season for him? Well he's he's in a situation where well I guess what he always wanted in his career. He's he lost a lot of he lost a guard in, in uh Fred Van Vliet that was in the way a little bit. To to nobody's fault. It's just how the roster is built. And he's in a contract year, and he's in a in a system now that is projected to be a movement system. So, with that, I think there's going to be more opportunities for him to find lanes to attack the paint. There's going to be more opportunity for him to play a little bit more in movement instead of being tucked in the corners and just waiting for the ball to get to him. He can kind of move around and create opportunities for himself. And I think there's going to be an opportunity for him to kind of tap into his playmaking ability a little bit more. I think 
what we have haven't seen from him is the ability to find the open man. Uh, even if he has a one-on-one defender on him, he's not looking for the open pass. He's not looking for the great pass. And one thing that Darko has been um, uh, record uh, on record saying is that he likes the good to great plays, where you find you take a you t- give up your good pass for the great pass and, and and get a good shot for your your teammates. So I think the issue with with Gary is that he was just labeled as a scorer. And Nick Nurse said, okay, we don't have a lot of shooters. You're just going to shoot and forget about developing anything else. So what I want to see from him and what I think is available for him is to create more opportunities in his passing versatility. I think he'll he'll do the, the obvious pass, but he's not creating opportunities for others. In a movement offense and with a team, a team like the Raptors that have guys who are good at cutting, because remember when Kyle Lowry was our, with the Raptors, and OG was playing in the corners. He was really excellent at finding OG as a cutter. And and Scotty, in his college years, when he was playing off ball, he was one of the better cutters and guys who find the lane. And you you have players like Pascal who can who can out outwork and outrun uh, players at his position to get to the rim. So I think Gary is going to find a lot more openings with the movement offense to establish and build on his playmaking. And I have a stat here like. His high-value assist numbers per 75 possessions is at the 34 percentile, meaning that he doesn't make the high-value assist like I said. He always just does the obvious things. Again, when 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 you have a team that we're going to have where we can build some chemistry and movement, he's going to be able to build on that. And another thing I want to see and I think is available is that he's only averaged two assists. That's the most he's averaged in the season was two assists a game. You know, and if that can get to three or four, I think I mentioned that um, my pot or, or the one I did with Amit. But um, if he can get to three or four or five assists, probably five is too rich. But if he can get to three or four assists a game, as little as that sounds, you guys are going to see a lot better of an offense around us because teams are not going to be able to understand what we're going to do. We're going to be a lot less predictable. And that's what I like to see. And that's what I think is available for Gary Trent Jr. this upcoming season. I agree 100%. I think the main objective for him is to be less predictable. And I think by becoming a better facilitator or or at least a, a better playmaker, it's not only going to benefit the team, but also benefit his game. Because if he's able to get those three, four assists a game, you're going to have to start playing him for the pass as well. And he's as good a scorer as anyone in this league where he just, he's just a hooper. He just knows how to get a bucket and he will take advantage of those openings. And we've seen him, you know, where he went on that stretch of, of 30 points. I think it was like six games where he went, where he went 30 points plus. And, and I think for him more importantly, and, and we, we, we've seen it, you know, he's getting into the mid range he he has that little floater. We also see him in the off season <laughs> doing a windmill and dunking. And I mean, I don't I don't expect him to do that uh, to to a level like say Norman Powell, for example. But at least if he has that ability to get to the rim, and I think in that point five offense, potentially those opportunities to get to the rim and to take advantage of that spacing, while it's not going to be consistent with the way that the roster is currently constructed, but with it within certain lineups you know, potentially with a, a precious Grady auto type of lineups that it's going to 
offer him a lot of spacing and and he will take advantage of those opportunities. But I think it is a very important year for him. I think it's important for him to make his game a little bit more well-rounded. Like we know you can get a bucket like that's without question. I, I, I don't know anyone taking more step back threes in the league. If they're uh, that aren't superstars named Gary Trent yep. Jr. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> so, so we, we know he has that confidence and, He's putting in the work, you know, and he has big goals for himself. So a player that's confident, a player that knows that he has to do more and essentially be an impact player every single time he comes off the floor. I think it's well within his reach. And I'm very excited to see what he potentially could look like this season if he's able to add passing to his game. You know what I mean? I think he's going to be a killer. I mean, you we would be amazed to see what consistent role definition can do to a player. That's that's the beauty of this team, right? There's going to be some stability there as far as people knowing exactly what your job is day in, day out. The coaches are going to be on, right beside you all the way through to keep you in keep you in the game, keep you informed, keep you growing. And I think that's what's exciting these teams. That's why he, he other than probably not wanting to risk losing money, but that's probably the main reason why he opted in. He's like, okay, well, there's a new coach. Um, they're going to have some development guys. Fred's gone. Let's, let's, let's bet on myself, like how Fred would, right? And I think this is the perfect opportunity. I think there's a perfect team around him to do so too. We will do a season preview, but give me your stat line for Gary on the season. Like he, he put up around, I think, 17... One, one assist and two rebounds last season. Like, what will peak Gary look like this season if he's able to accomplish all that you say you laid out for him? I think it's going to be like a eighteen four and three. But the main thing here is that it's going to be more efficient. I think he's going to pre- probably be in the high high thirties in from three. Maybe maybe a little under forty percent from three would be really good. I mean, and he was just, 37 last year, so that's... Yeah, he'll go like maybe 38, 39. That's yeah. good. Yeah. For 18 points, four rebounds, three assists. That's good. Again, it's about efficiency with him, and it's about defense. He's a good defender because he's willing, but he needs to be a little bit more instinctual at times where he's not gambling too much, but he yes. just... Un- he, yes. His anticipation has to be a little bit more cleaner yeah. Where he's 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 playing within the the defensive scheme instead of his own individual thoughts, you know. So staying in position, right? That that's the exactly. main thing, right? He was always exactly. out of position when he takes those gambles, right? Exactly. I think if we be a little bit less aggressive with that chaos style, I think we're gonna see a lot of better defense from him because he you have the you have the defenders around him to where he doesn't have to gamble. Again, you gamble because you're not you're afraid. You get you gamble because you need to make something out of nothing. So I think he has a lot of players around him that he doesn't need to gamble if he gets beat. You know, just you have guys in the back lines that will prevent anything bad from happening. Hopefully, yeah, I think I think so, and I think uh, role definition, like you said, is is huge. And I think it's I think everybody on this team is going to benefit from role definition. I think with the the whole grab and goal style and that chaos style, it it created a lot of inconsistencies, and it did not equal to team success. And I think this is a great opportunity where they can definitely accomplish that with role definition. I think it's it's a timing thing. 
and it's an asset management thing again where you you put players in a position where it's a grab and go in a in a year that guys multiple guys are on contract years so they want to grab and go for their own they're not going grab and go for the team they're they're playing for something more than the team right at this time you know so that's that's the situation that we could find ourselves again like you said this is an important year this was a important off season and we, we kind of fumbled a little bit but let's see how how this how this coaching staff can um put this team on track you know i think they're a little bit off the rails a little but hey we we saw the open gym clips like you were mentioning I, it, vibes are back or it seems like vibes are back it, it definitely seems like it um and i think that's huge you know i i know a lot of people are saying oh well where's pascal and all of this like I think we're making something out of nothing at, at this point. Like this is this is an opportunity for these players to not only take their relationships to new heights, but these are people that you're going to be in the trenches with. So you want to have that stability. And I think last year the goals were different, and those opportunities weren't always available to them. And yeah, I mean you can argue that they have enough veterans on this team where it shouldn't have been a problem, but. When you're losing and you're in that environment, and like you said, in that chaos style and in contract situations, it doesn't create uh, ideal vibes. You know what I mean? But it seems like vibes are back. People are smiling. People are having a good time. Uh, I, I just hope that it translates into something positive because we've seen Pascal already putting in work. You know, he, he's not looking to have a good time. Like this is this is an important year. And I think there should be a balance you know, between work and play and too much play and too much work, it, it, it doesn't always jive. But I just hope that the vibes are going to lean into something productive because Pascal's putting in the work. He's ready to go. I mean, going to top golf isn't going to help you on the basketball court. You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 but, but what do you think? What do you think? <laughs> I mean, I agree. Your golf swing doesn't really correlate to anything in basketball. Yeah, unless know. unless you're doing like full court NBA jam underhook yeah. type of full court launches. <laughs> baseline to baseline. <laughs> but it, it's it's great to see the team actually together um, having some fun moments. They don't have to be there. Like Pascal's not there, like we just said. So they don't have to be there. So one thing that I found very interesting is that Jeff Doughton seems to be hanging around a lot. Like, he, he's just trying to soak in all the vibes because who, who knows what happens with him. And I think that's, again, I, I think that's very unfair for him because I think he is a good player. But it's hard to envision what this team is going to look like, especially on the back end of the rotation. Like, yeah, you know, we're seeing Boucher, we're seeing Thad, we're seeing all those guys, Ron Harper. Ron, Ron Harper has looked really good in the short clips that we've seen. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? he's, he's been he's splashing leaned out, He's leaned out. He's he's hitting um, He's hitting at a, a, at a very high clip. And like I said, during the, the Summer League uh, pods, uh, his form is different. Like, it's a lot more fluid, not as jerky and hitched. Uh, as it once was it, it's hard to envision all those guys smiling when the season starts like the facts <laughs> and the bouchers um well what, what what do you think like it, it's hard to envision a pathway for those guys as jeff boucher thad you know even Otto at, at this point though although i do think he he can up his trade value but guys like 
like them and even Garrett Temple, it's hard to envision for them having some sort of impact on the team. But what do you think? Are, are they are they upping their trade value, showing that they could be good teammates? I mean, <laughs> someone's gotta go, I guess. Because like, <laughs> if, if you like Jeff Dalton, and he let's say he he kills it in this preseason, which he could very well do, someone has to leave. And I know we've been talking about Chris Boucher. Um, as a potential guy, Proje- projecting who could be traded. Not that he's a bad player, but if you look at the logjam and contract and age and all that stuff, you're factoring everything in, he might be a candidate. Uh, he's out there doing rock, paper, scissor tournaments with the team, having a good time. You have Thad Young <laughs> catching a pass from Grady Dick, doing a baseline dunk. All having a good time, all having fun. The vibes are up, and then boom, they get traded. That's that's gonna be the vibe killer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like they're enjoying their days while they last, you know. But um, I don't know about this roster. I I at the end of bench, you're thinking I, I I don't know who would make the team per se. I know Dalton's a long shot, and, and I think as far as like contract goes, I don't think he's allowed to be on the on the nine hundred five this year. Oh, I'm correct. I didn't, I didn't know that. I think it goes by the guarantee. I don't. I, I might have to hit up Blake Murphy, or, or maybe he has a tweet already about that. But I think depending on the guarantee a player has, they're not allowed to be on that G League team if they get cut from the team. But maybe he has a zero guarantee, so he could make the 905 team. I, I gotta fact check that. This off the top of my head, but that would suck if he just lose him outright, and then he just has to work his way through the G League again. Because I think he deserves to be a third, fourth, fourth guard combo guard off the bench. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that. It'd be, it'd be you know, wouldn't it have been funny if they're they're doing rock paper scissors to see who won't get treated? Like, wouldn't that, <laughs> that have been funny? Rock, rock scissors paper for your fate. Yeah, your roster fate. That's why uh, Pascal skipped it. He's <laughs> like, yeah. like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to Atlanta. Um, uh, and you know, you know, one guy that we we tend to miss, um, uh, Jalen McDaniels. Right, like oh yes, he, yes, he can slip into that Boucher, Thad, you know, even that precious type of role, right? Like he yeah. can easily slide in there. So it's tough. I mean, it's, it's a logjam. It's a logjam. Like yeah. there's too many forwards, not enough guards, but the guards don't really have a pathway. It's like it's weird. It's a weird roster. What else is new? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what else same old, <laughs> same old, same old. <laughs> um, but before we get out of here. FIBA, we got to talk about our guys. Arguably the most talented roster we've had in quite some time with Shea, uh, Lou, uh, Lou Dort, Jamal Murray potentially. And they had an exhibition game against Germany. They fell short, unfortunately. They had a great second half push by Nikhil Alexander-Walker, sorry. Somebody that who we thought could have been a Raptor, but, you know, history continues to repeat itself and Dort took over. So it's nice to see the young bucks step up, but did not get the performances that we wanted from like an RJ, for example, but Dennis Schroeder, you know, bad Achilles and all put up a great performance, bullied Dylan, Dylan Brooks. Uh, I think he crossed him up and pointed at him. Like what's your, what's your takeaway from the early returns of this? And are you comfortable with the idea of Schroeder? Uh, I keep saying Schroeder, but Schroeder, um, playing on what potentially could be uh, a ticking time bomb with his Achilles. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's definitely something to be concerned about. Uh, the fact that it's being reported and he's still playing on it, 
So <laughs> I don't I don't know how that works. I, don't I mean, we saw Achilles with with KD. We saw it with yeah. Kobe. It's not a, a not a good injury to no injury is good, but that one could potentially be in career career ending or career altering. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think um Boogie had that too, right? Boogie Cousins. Yes, I forgot. Yes, Boogie Cousins. Yeah, and unfortunate for him. Unfortunate for him. But I I do think that he, even though he wasn't the same player he did find ways to be impactful it's just you, you look at what he was in the early parts of his year and you look at what he became and people were like eh, you know yeah we could he became probably a shell of himself yeah right yeah yeah man i yeah i don't know how that works because even with uh canada's holding out jamal murray for a bunch of these games the exhibitions at least i would i would have thought that maybe we can kind of talk to <laughs> germany be like hey these are exhibition games can you let him re- ease up on that achilles we just signed him uh with shooter um yeah i don't know i didn't get to catch the the game i only saw the highlights but the, how how did shooter look out there against or or i should say facilitating and being a floor general i, I was kind of curious to how he would look out there yeah yeah i didn't i didn't see the whole game myself i saw like the the back half and highlights as well, but he was doing his job. He was a floor general. He took advantage of the opportunities when it was available, created opportunities um, for the shooters. Um, he it, it looks like what his role would be with the Raptors. I I, I don't know if he's going to be starting. I not too thrilled about that idea, but. <laughs> If early returns dictate like this is what he potentially could look like, though, though I do think that Germany had more shooters than the Raptors do currently. But if that's what he looks like, I'm I'm not opposed to that. But I'm very weary with this Achilles thing, and I think it would just be so fitting for the Raptors to be. I don't even want to say it, and I don't want yeah, you to say it. I'm you not don't saying say it, nothing. Say it. <laughs> Everything you say comes to fruition, but it would be fitting if blank happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying nothing. I'll just say I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say, I will say though, Canada, we need to start producing some bigs. We we yes. don't have don't, we have guards. We have all the wings, guards, all the guards, the wings, but we got no bigs. Um, we got we got to find a way to get at least Zach Eady up there. <laughs> yeah. He's on the team, right? How come he's not playing? I think I don't I don't I don't know what the, I, there is a little hiccup. I think it has to do with age eligibility with college or something oh. to that effect. Like that's what's preventing him from coming over. Actually, but, play. I yeah. thought he was, I thought he was on the roster, but I, I guess they're just not playing him, or I guess he's not eligible. But uh, even the scrub. The Scrub Brothers are. I'm surprised they keep making the team. I don't. I don't know. I feel like we can hold. <laughs> There's some younger guys out there that could probably produce. I don't know. I I hate to throw them out there, but I think maybe there's some project bigs you can get on that team. Maybe develop through our system. Yeah. Uh, I, there has to be someone out there that you can try and develop. Even even if they don't play, keep them under your wing. Uh, and, and see what you can get out of them. Something, because I don't think the scrub. I don't think we need the scrub brothers anymore. Because I think we have enough guards and wings as it is and forwards. Yeah. We just need those big men, like you said. They're not gonna follow the sky, but at least try to bring them on to the. Because I think there's um Khalif, Khalif Young, I think his name. Yes. He, he was on a. 
He's I like how, I like his game. He was in the CBL. I, I like how he played. I think he plays for Scarborough team. I think that's a good big to to kind of develop and see sure. what he can become. Sure. And there's um Kyle Kyle Alexander I think too. So there's some guys out there who are not true centers but can can do some damage on the FIBA circuit. Yeah, definitely. We need more than Kelly Olynyk and Dwight Powell. That that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely need a lot more than that. But um. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not putting much weight into the to the exhibition. I mean, I mean, it is nice to see, but I I think when the team mm-hmm. hopefully gets Jamal Murray, I think it's going to look vastly different. And I know they were dealing, dealing with injuries and all that, but I think healthy. And I think when everybody's here, um, it'd be nice to see Wiggins with this team. I was but just going to say, yeah, you know, but I I think he's at that point where he's a little bit older and he might be focusing more on. Championship. I, I I don't know. I don't know. But I, I mean, I when he was like, younger, he, he was saying that he's focusing on building his career in the NBA, his contract, getting a break. Now he's older. Now he's saying, oh, I'm older. And so he's like, he played a little. I think he played the last one. But, yeah. And he killed it. But man, he, imagine him out there. And then you bring Shaden over. You know what I mean? And then you bring Matherin over. And then right. it's like. Yep. And then you, you know? got Ole Max and Leonard Miller waiting in the Ooh. win as well. Nasty. This team is gonna look nasty quick, right? <laughs> um, but uh, you know what? I think that's a great place to end off. Uh, we we turned nothing into something, Mac. I think that's what we Honestly, do, brother. <laughs> full disclosure, people. We didn't know what we we're gonna talk about before it came on. Pressed it, press play, and then just go with it. You yeah, know? Ho- hope for the best. But you know, folks, you know, thank you for rocking with us, um, ladies and gentlemen. Live by the three would not be here without you all. And it would not be here without great support with guys like the man they call Mac and the running off the screen podcast. Mac, thank you for taking the time, brother. I I know you're a busy guy. You know, I commend you, man. And shout out to wifey, you know, letting you record a pod on your guys' anniversary. I appreciate (laughs) Let her know that I appreciate her, man. But uh, let us know what you got cooking, brother. Uh, Man, well, I want to start by saying thank you, you know, for pushing me forward because there's there's many times like with my busy schedule that you know you're just like hey where's the pods come on let's keep going keep going those those messages that i get is like it, it gives me a little bit of a boost not a lot of people are out there on my side that can like push me forward they just and you, you're one of those guys who can kind of keep me going and keep me um challenging myself so i, I, I commend that, you for that appreciate i commend that. you for that and um as far as what i got coming out um I'm I'm coming back. I took a break this week, um, uh, for obvious reasons. Like we said, the anniversary. Couldn't really yeah. prep for an episode <laughs> <laughs> with all the the transitions and musical aspects and stuff I put into it. So it's hard to balance this week. But um, next week I'll be back, and then I'm going to be on. I'm sorry, Kenyon, if you're listening to this, I'll, I'll be on your show this week. <laughs> Kenyon, Kenyon, this I'm is sorry. all me, brother. It's all me, right? Okay, basketball rewind. <laughs> If you want to put into your frustration, look at look no further than Kurt, your boy Curly, all right? <laughs> yeah, I, I we've been trying to get something done for like almost maybe a month now. Um, and I, I hope to be on his show sometime this week. And uh, yeah, running off the screen, an audio experience, uh, cinematic experience, uh, a, a, a different dimension, as you will, for basketball content. That's what I'm bringing. So if that's what you want to hear, if you like music, if you like basketball, if you like the Raptors, listen to Running Off the Screen.
it is one of the most unique and i know sometimes the word unique is is kind of saying like it's not so good but no i i mean like it's a unique podcast it's a phenomenal podcast and and you can't even call it just a podcast an audio experience is exactly what you put out uh every saturday i know this saturday is not going to be one but you know the musical transitions and how you're able to to segue into basketball content is just absolutely phenomenal one of the it's one of my favorite pods easily like i look forward to listening to every single episode folks i pray that you tap in to running off the screen i hope you've tapped into the live by the three podcast uh, you know, we're we're grinding, you know, uh, 150, episode 150 is right around the, Iron the corner. Man. The podcast <laughs> Iron Man Award. I, I, I'm, I'm in the mopey phase of my podcast career. Yeah. <laughs> but with, with the consistency, with the consistency. Yes, yes, yes. The numbers are there. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, thank you all for, for rocking with me. Mac, thank you for rocking with me. Folks, if you have not done so already, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It'll mean so much if you take the time to do so. Please support our guy, Mac, and the Running Off the Street podcast. Like, subscribe, and raise the vibe on his platform and until the next episode ladies and gentlemen please continue to stay safe and stay healthy good people peace peace